Hey, listeners, Dan Harris here, host of the 10% Happier Podcast. Imagine all your audio entertainment available in just one place. That's what the Audible app is all about. With Audible, you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. Audible has an incredible selection of wellness titles and originals like The Light Podcast by Michelle Obama, Work It Out by Mel Robbins, and Confidence Gap by Russ Harris. Membership includes access to Audible Originals, podcasts, and tons of audiobooks that you can download or stream as much as you want. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title per month from an ever-growing catalog of titles to keep. The Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere, whether you're traveling, working out, doing chores, wherever your day takes you. New members can try Audible now free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash Harris or text Harris to 500-500. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, guys. It's Mari, and you're listening to The Pursuit of Wellness. Today on the show, we have Shira Barlow, also known as the food therapist. Shira is the resident nutritionist at Goop, author of the book, The Food Therapist and Nutrition Expert. She's also the host of the Dear Media daily show, Good Instincts. Shira focuses on helping her clients develop a better relationship with food, making thoughtful choices and getting closer to their ultimate goals all while enjoying delicious, healthy recipes. I'm food and nutrition obsessed as well. So I have so many questions with you. And through my own journey, I have discovered just how powerful food can be. So I'm really excited to learn from you today. Shira, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I was on your Daily Instinct show and it was so much fun. I loved having you and people loved that episode. Really? Yeah, it was really inspiring. And I think you were so balanced in your approach and it was really helpful for people to know that. Thank you. Yeah. So I always ask my guests this first question. Yeah. If an Uber driver were to ask you what you do, what do you say? So I am a registered dietitian and I have a private practice where I help people uncomplicate their relationship with food. So it's funny because a lot of time when I first started out, what I found was, and I, I studied biochem and organic chemistry, and it was all science-based, and I did a residency in Mount Sinai in New York, and it was all very clinical. But when I found that I started my private practice, what happened was is most people knew what to do. Mm. They knew that they should be eating more thoughtfully and you know, looking at portion sizes and stuff like that but they weren't actually doing those things on a day-to-day basis. Mm. So it was about kind of figuring out what those roadblocks were and how to kind of sidestep them because like we're always going to have our stuff. It's not like we can ever totally escape ourselves in that way, but figuring out like what makes us tick? How do we sidestep this to kind of get where we want to go? So that is one piece of it. And then I also now have Good Instincts, which I'm loving doing. So I do Monday through Friday. There are these little tiny episodes. Monday through Thursday are these, they're like five minute episodes with just me. And then the Friday episodes are the interviews, which I did with you. So cool. And such a new concept. I don't know that I've seen that before. Yeah, it is a new format. And I think, you know, it's like a fun, especially like we're both on Dear Media, which is amazing. And I think it's fun to have different formats where you could kind of just like plug in really quickly. And then something like this, that's long form that people can really like get and get cozy. Like to me, the idea of coming and going really deep with you is really fun. And then I think there's also a place for like, just kind of like a quickie. 100%. Yeah. Sounds like there's a lot of psychology to what you do. Yeah, there is. Like you said, my book was The Food Therapist and I'm not a therapist and I don't have that training, but I do find that in the field that that really was the thing that people really kind of needed. Like they needed that food therapy piece. I want to go all the way back with you personally. When did you first discover food, health, all the things? So, you know, it's interesting. And I don't know that I've talked about this. So I was like a dancer and a figure skater and like body and weight and stuff was definitely like front of mind. Mm. And there was a huge focus on that. And it was before kind of, there was any sensitivity around that. And then I think separately, I was like a really kind of insecure kid. And I also, there was like some instability in my life. And I think I definitely used food 
as a way to control things that I didn't have control over. So I definitely had like some restrictive tendencies that later on I was able to kind of drop. But I feel like back in the day, it was definitely queued up for me from like a young age. As an athlete. Yes. How did your relationship with food evolve over time? Like, was it something you viewed as fuel or were you like, oh, I need to be a certain way to perform well? That's such a good question. So what happened was, so when I was very young, I was a dancer and a figure skater. And then in high school, I wound up being like a a pretty competitive rower. And that kind of set me free in a way because I was so driven and I was so just into being like the best I could possibly be that you can't be like starving yourself and Mm. you can't be so restrictive. It just doesn't work. You're not going to be strong. So that really was kind of like the key for me. That was like my door open to like having a healthier relationship with food. But it wasn't until later. It is it kind of exactly what you said, which is that it was almost like food as fuel, like, oh, I need this much to be this fast or whatever. And then it wasn't until much later that I kind of then wove in the like, enjoying food in a way mm-hmm. that felt really like joyful and not, you know, just either like as fuel or something that you're trying to be a certain size. I feel like we all have a journey with food. Yeah. Like I can relate to what you said in so many ways. Growing up, food just wasn't something I thought about. I enjoyed it. And I was honestly lucky to not have any major body image issues. Yeah. But then going through my fitness journey, experiencing emotional eating gaining weight, losing control of my health, and then finding my fitness journey and finding control through food, I definitely had moments where I was terrified to eat the wrong thing. And having that relationship where it was like, oh, if I eat the wrong thing, I'm going to slip back to who I used to be. And lately, I have found so much joy in food and creating recipes and just realizing that food is really medicine. It's pretty insane how much you can do with food and how much you can heal. That is so beautiful. And I I completely agree. And the interesting thing, and I find myself talking about this all the time, which is the weird thing is that the thing with food, and I think the same with fitness too, for me at least, is that like the things that actually wind up feeling really good are the things that actually end up working. Because like you are coming from this place of like enjoying and not going overboard, but also not like going underboard and, and how hard that is when you kind of like underdo it and then you feel like out of control in a different way. There's also a lot of freedom in knowing that you're not going to go overboard, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I went through a phase where I was restricting a ton during the week and then on the weekend I would do whatever I wanted and I would overeat every time. Yeah. And now I'm in a place where like if I want to have a little chocolate, I'm going to have a little chocolate. Or if I'm going to have a treat here or there, I'm going to do it but I'm just more balanced on a day-to-day basis and I never take it too far or underdo it. And I think there's freedom in that too. Oh, there's so much freedom in that. And I think that there's freedom in kind of like having this baseline where you feel really good and then getting to a place where you're like, you know what, I'm going on vacation or whatever. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. Like I can kind of like buoy within a range that feels really good to me. And then I know how to get to where I feel like extra good, you know, like whatever that means to you. I think there's a huge freedom in just being like, I know how to do that. And then within that, you can pick and choose like what's worth it to you versus having those big swings and having to, you know, then there's the whole shame spot of like, it feels all ruined and Mm -hmm. all of that thing, which, you know, winds up being so counterproductive, but it's really hard to get out of. So Greg and I have been traveling way more frequently lately. We've gotten so busy and have meetings all around the US. So travel has become a part of our almost bi-weekly routine. And oftentimes we go straight from the plane into a meeting and we want to feel fresh. We want to feel good, ready to talk to people and be professional. So we do try traveling with our toothpaste tubes, which turns out to be very messy. And I also recently found out that most commercial toothpastes are filled with harsh chemicals artificial flavors and preservatives, not things I want to be putting in my body. You guys know I'm super health conscious and ingredient conscious, and this is something that I really want to avoid, which is where we discovered Bite. This is really cool, guys. Very cool product, and I'm really glad I found it. Bite makes dry toothpaste tablets made with ingredients that are sulfate-free, 
palm oil free and glycerin free. This is perfect for me and Greg. We're both super into health and these are so convenient. All you do is pop a bit in your mouth, chew it up and start brushing. It turns into the paste you're used to, but with no tube or no mess. They also come in really cute refillable glass jars that you can throw into your carry-on bag or put on your bathroom sink. They send refills in compostable pouches so they're better for the earth and our bodies. I absolutely love this product. I think it's an amazing tool for travel, so convenient and also way better for us. Byte is offering our listeners 20% off your first order. Go to trybyte.com slash POW or use the code POW, P-O-W, at checkout to claim this deal. That's T-R-Y-B-I-T-E dot com slash POW. Hey friends, my name's Olivia Perez and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. What would you say for anyone listening? How do they go about finding the diet that's right for them? Yeah. You know, I think that it is so interesting because it is so different for everyone. And there's like things, and I talk about this a lot lately, like there's things like keto or intermittent fasting or whatever, which there is a good amount of research for some of those things that it can be helpful for hunger hormones and a lot of different things. And then on paper, it can wind up being really obsessive. Mm. And, you know, when you're only allowed to eat within a certain time range, I don't think that that's super healthy, especially for women. But then there's plenty of women who it works really well for. And I know for myself, like, I've definitely kind of accidentally done that on some days. And then you're like, oh, that felt really good. So I think like I think that people need to be really honest with themselves about what in the past has worked and what in the past hasn't worked Mm. and like where you could do yourself a favor in terms of like planning ahead or being really thoughtful in a different way that you haven't been able to in the past. So I don't know if that fully, I mean, I know that's kind of like a roundabout way to answer, but I really do think that first things first, kind of thinking about what has worked and what has not. Is that the first step you take with your clients when they come in? Yeah. You know, with all the clients, I want to know what their goals are. Mm. I want to know on a scale of one to 10, how motivated they are. And to be honest, like the very low end is obviously like concerning to me just because I like I don't want to waste someone's time. Mm. But also like when someone's like 10 out of 10, this is exactly like I'm so gung ho the whole thing. And the reality is, is like there are going to be other things that come up. So what I like to really understand is, yes, exactly what you're asking. I want to know what's really worked for you in the past, what hasn't, and like helping people figuring out what their personal roadblocks are and how to live with them. Like, I don't even think it's realistic to be like, oh, we're never going to have roadblocks. But I think learning how to live with them and how to live within that framework is really the key. When people come in, could it be for any number of reasons or for any goals? Like, could it be, let's say, weight loss, but then maybe also mental health, for example? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think for a lot of people, it's all linked. You know, the other thing, though, with it is that, and I've been talking about this a lot recently, which is that I think there are people, and maybe you can relate to this on some level, where they, like, focus so specifically on one goal, and it's like the physical piece. Mm. And they wind up like thinking that just because they're get this has been the thing that they've really focused on this whole time that like once that happens everything else falls into place they get the dream job and the relationship and the whole thing and i think that there's sometimes that can be really disappointing on the other end i almost think about it like sometimes like these goals almost keep us company in a way yeah like there's something that feels really good about being like this is my thing that i'm doing and i'm working towards and then all of a sudden you get the thing and that can be kind of scary yeah i can relate in a ton of ways to that i think that goes for anything in life yes like having that big goal and you finally get there even with my weight loss journey i realized it just keeps going like the journey kind of never ends hence like the pursuit of wellness yes because once i had you know, for me, it was very much a mental journey too. So I lost 
weight, but at the same time, I completely changed who I was. Like I completely right. changed my work ethic. But then I came out of it and I was like, well, what's next? Like, what do I want to do now? And I think figuring out your passions within that journey and just letting it take you where the universe wants it to take you and channeling what you've learned into the next thing is so important. Yes, exactly. And now I remember what you were asking, which is that. And then also the piece of like people are people coming in just for one thing. And Mm. I think they're not. I mean, I I think even if they think they are, they're not. But there's also, to be honest, people that come in for weight gain and for muscle gain. And I've had a ton of performers and male like actor guys and those type of people who are on, you know, like your guy that are on a completely different trajectory. And so it's kind of fun sometimes to like have a mix. Yeah. But my my main is is this. How does it actually work? Because I've never worked with a nutritionist oh. before. Do you set up a meal plan or a grocery list? How does that go? Well, I've done different things throughout my entire career, but what I find now, so I used to write out the whole thing. I would do like the meal plan and the grocery list and like this is at this, this is at this place, this is at this place. And then I also used to have them, like people would want to go over menus with me and stuff like that. And what I found is that when I was doing all the heavy lifting in that way, it almost made them less accountable in a way. Mm. And so now I find that, you know, we have this initial conversation and I go by what the people are doing in that moment to maintain where they are. And I'm never going to like throw a whole wrench into your plan. Like I'm never, if you're someone who's never eaten breakfast, like I don't get, like it's not, even if there's research, whatever, it's like uh, no one's forcing you to eat breakfast. So we kind of like reverse engineer it based on like what works for the person And yeah, and so it kind of like, it goes by what they're doing right now to maintain where they are. Mm. And then I kind of give them suggestions and then we'll do follow-ups to see like what's working, what's not. And like my clients can text me and we can kind of troubleshoot from there. Love it. Yeah. So it's a very personal relationship. Oh, very, very, very. I know you talk a lot about mindful eating. Yeah. What does that mean to you? That's a really good question. So to me eating mindfully is having the ability to pause and be like, do I really want this thing? And I think it's it's interesting because a lot of people think, the way we think about indulging, I think is really complicated and I think it's really loaded. And people think that some people just have willpower and some people don't. And some people are super indulgent and some people aren't. And it's not true. Everyone has the ability to flex that muscle And it's not always choosing the broccoli over the donut or whatever, you know, like it's a really like silly example, but you know what I mean? It's, but it is having the ability to be like, do I really want this thing? And if so, like, I'm going to really enjoy it and Mm. sit with it and, and actually, and not do the thing of like, oh my God, I hate that I ate this. And now it's all ruined because like, you know, and I think we've talked about this before too, where it's like, that never feels good and it never works. So like, if you want the thing have the thing, but like having that like second thought of like, do I want this? And if you do, then like I'm the biggest advocate for that. Yeah. And I think also, like you said, it's a muscle and it takes practice. It does. Because I remember being in the place where I felt like I didn't have the choice. Like I felt like I didn't even know if I wanted it or not, or I would go ahead and without thinking about it, like eat a whole pint of ice cream while I was watching the TV or order a whole pizza or whatever I was doing. And now I've almost been doing it for so long that I know for sure whether or not I really want something. Yes. And I've also changed my perception of indulgence, I would say. Ooh, how so? Like, to me, having a whole pint of ice cream isn't worth it because I just know how I'm going to feel in terms of the sugar. Yeah. And like my brain fog and my stomach will hurt and all of those things don't make it worth it. But having a small bowl of ice cream is worth it to me because I'm enjoying it, but it's not going to ruin how I feel the next day. I love that so much. And that's exactly it. Because the reality is we're grownups and we could have as much ice cream as we want, but it, it actually doesn't feel great to do that. And so I think it is having that ability to be like, of course I could do this, but do I even really want mm-hmm. all of that? 
And I do think coming from this place of like wanting to feel really good and wanting like your next day self and even like a couple hours from now self to feel really good. And how do you operate from that place? Do you find that I find that the years I've been eating whole healthy foods, I crave them now. Like when I think about my dream dinner, it's like salmon and kale salad. Like that, that would have never have been me back in the day. But now that's what I look forward to. Yeah. No, it's a huge thing because, I mean, when something feels really good, it's a lot easier to keep doing that. Mm. And that's why I really, I feel really strongly about people putting some thought into their food. Like, it's not like you have to cook every meal and meal prep everything, but like, don't have it be flaccid steamed vegetables and like rubbery chicken breast. Like, put some flavor in it, put, make it a little special. It doesn't have to take a ton of time, but, you know, have it be that. So it actually does feel good because when it feels good, you're so much more motivated to keep going. Totally. Do you have any tangible tips for people listening on how they can eat more mindfully? Like three suggestions. Yes. Okay, this sounds a little kooky, but I feel really strongly about it. So one of the first things that you could do is eat with your non-dominant hand. Mm. So like if you're right-handed, eat with your left hand. And like, honestly, okay, if you're out and about, like, you know, maybe like, you know, there's certain things that might not be the thing. But I do think there's this thing where we almost go into autopilot while we're eating and we're not paying attention. And whether it's just like we're just not paying attention and we're just in our own heads about everything else or we're like eating in front of a screen or something like that, it's really hard to pay attention to what you're eating while you're eating it. And there's all this talk about like mindfulness and, you know, like meditation practices and all those, which are amazing. And I think they're amazing. But I almost think that they are, it's hard to connect to that if you're not kind of from that world and that doesn't feel super realistic for you. So I do find that one way is eating with your non-dominant hand. Another, and I talk about this all the time, is putting your food on a plate or like a little dish. Like if you're having your little chocolate, it's so easy to like eat over the sink and whatever, but to like literally put it on a dish because it helps you visualize it and it helps it like feel real. There was all this research and I talked about this in my book where we encode meal memories when we're paying attention to what we're eating while we're eating. So it actually like logs and we're, we feel more full after. But if we're eating like in front of the TV and we're not really paying attention, those people in the studies ate way more and felt less full. And it makes sense because mm-hmm. you're just like not paying attention. So like putting it on a plate. And then the third, I would honestly say like if you can eat with your hands there's something really tactile and like you're able to connect with the food. I think there's just like so much with technology and everything that kind of like separates us from the process. I think cooking can be really helpful for that reason. And I think we talked about this, how meditative it can be to like do one thing at a time if you can. And of course, that's not always realistic, but I think when you can, those things can be helpful. I think cooking is huge. Such a good tip because you are involved in every step of what you're making. And you're kind of in control of how good it tastes. Yeah. When I went gluten and dairy free recently for my skin, I found that I just had so much more fun with the recipe because I was like, oh, okay, I need to make this gluten free and dairy free, but still taste amazing. Yeah. So I was like playing around with like coconut cream and spices and things that had so much flavor. And it just made me so much more appreciative of the actual meal. You can get creative with it. And like only you know what you love and you can put your own little spin on it that you're going to be so into. Sometimes you're at a restaurant, you're like, oh, this would be perfect if it didn't have X, Y, or if it had this. But yeah, I think it can be really helpful for like connecting back to yourself and connecting to the food. Every morning before I start my day, I grab a big mason jar and fill it with ice, cold water, a squeeze of lemon, and a scoop of my bloom greens. In 2019, my husband and I created a supplement company called Bloom and greens have become our best-selling product. You've probably seen them all over TikTok, and they really are a daily essential. They're full of organic fruits and veggies, probiotics, and make you feel your best every single day. So the way we tested greens when we first developed the product was that I brought them on a vacation to Puerto Rico, which is actually where me and Greg ended up getting engaged. So I was celebrating, I was eating, I was drinking, And I was taking my greens twice a day. 
And I found that I was waking up feeling even better than I did the day before. No hangover, no bloating. And I was like, this is the product. I wanted it to taste good and be really easy to incorporate in my routine. And now the greens have absolutely blown up. It's insane to see how well they're doing. They are incredible for your gut health. Having a healthy gut impacts so many things like skin, digestion, mood, energy, metabolism, and so much more. They are the easiest way to get in your essential nutrients in just one scoop. Mango is currently my favorite, but I highly recommend checking out Berry as well. They come in five flavors. I have some super exciting news. Greens are now available in Target stores nationwide. From the beginning, Greg and I felt like the Bloom customer was a Target girl. And now greens are easier to find than ever. You can find them in Target or on Amazon. I also have a sneaky little code for you guys to use on greens. You can use code POW, P-O-W, for 10% off greens on our website, www.bloomnew.com. B-L-O-O-M-N-U.com. Use code POW, P-O-W. Enjoy. What would you say mindless eating looks like? I would say it is not taking that pause. It can be, you know, like eating in front of a TV or in front of your computer. And I actually want to say, though, because I'm such a realist and I live in the real world and I'm sometimes really bit like tonight, I'm going to be really busy writing. And so, like, I don't know, there's a chance that, like, I kind of have my stuff and I'm kind of like in front of my laptop. And I, and I do think I'll take a minute to eat without without writing in front of it. But I do think that there are those times where you you don't really have the ability to like take all the time that you need. But unfortunately, those things make it really hard to connect to what you're eating while you're eating. And then it's really hard to listen to like your hunger cues. And so I find that like when in doubt, doing things that you can to pay attention to what you're eating while you're eating. And then in a very realistic way, knowing those times that you're not going to be able to be super mindful and like doing yourself a favor ahead of time. So like pre-portioning the thing, knowing that it might, you know, it's just going to be a different experience, but like being honest with yourself about the fact that you might not feel as like as great and dialed in as you would if you were paying a ton of attention. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. Even this morning, I found myself on my phone editing a video while I was eating breakfast, which I know I shouldn't do. And you look up and the food's gone and you didn't get to enjoy it. Exactly. And I feel like we're all so busy, but there's always time. And I think it's actually an act of self-love. I think so too. To give yourself that moment to have that meal. I think so too, because it really isn't that big a deal. It's not that much time. And again, sometimes sometimes it's crazy. Sometimes it's wild. I know with like my mom clients with like young kids at home, it's really hard sometimes. Yeah. But when you can, taking the even like a 10 minute can make a really big difference so that you could actually enjoy it and feel more full by that. You recently became a mother, correct? Yes. Well, Oliver's four now, but yes. Wow. Yes. So how do you incorporate him into your healthy lifestyle? So, you know, it's really interesting there's been so much with motherhood where you're like, oh, I'm going to do it this way in this specific way. And then you have kids and you're like, oh, <laughs> right. That's harder in actuality. But, you know, when Oliver was little, he, you know, ate everything I ate and it was just like healthy, 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 healthy. And I was really committed to him. I think there is something that can happen with like a, a sweetness threshold where if kids are introduced to sugar really early then that's like what they crave because, I mean, biologically, that is what we crave. So I was so specific about it. But then it was so funny. Like, I, and, and, you know, I like keep all the like clean stuff in my house. And then it was hilarious because we'd go to the park and I would see him like eat like Pringle crumbs off the ground at the park, you know. So like you realize that you can only control so much. Yeah. And that's probably for the best. So I do my best to have like really good options at home and like keep kind of junk out. Like there's tons of treat, like there's stuff, like fun stuff, but it's not like junky with like ingredients that I would feel bad about. But I'm also, and people are kind of surprised by this, but I'm a lot less 
uptight about that. Like for Halloween, for example, I mean, there are ingredients in some of the candy that's just like gross and like not good for you, whatever. And I also like for me, it was so important to be like, okay, this is like the one, you know, it's, it's like this and Valentine's Day, whatever you get kind of like gross stuff, you enjoy it. How bad could it be? But it's so funny because I think, and I think in a lot of things, you really have to listen to your gut. I feel like as a mom or a parent, like figuring out what's right, like only you know what's right for you and your family. Yeah. So figuring that out. And then the other thing is I try really hard and it's not always possible, but to not reward with treats. Mm. So to not be like, you've been so good, you get X or you've been so bad, you don't get X. Right. And it's really hard because kids are really motivated by sugar and like it doesn't always happen. But I do find that later on people and I call it like moral licensing and loopholes, people will be like, oh, I've had like the worst day. I deserve X or I've been so good. I answered all my emails and got all my work done. I deserve X. And it's not that it's not a matter of vice and virtue. It's just that it doesn't have to do with that. Like if you really want the thing, have the thing, put it on a plate, enjoy it so much. Mm. But it doesn't have anything to do with like ethics. I love that. I think using food as a reward is kind of confusing, actually. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any specific brand snacks that you recommend for oh. mothers listening? Yeah. I love, you know what is the brand that comes to mind, which is like, I don't know why, but if you roll up to the park with this, the kids are good, like the toddlers get crazy about it. And I also like it too is the lesser evil. Oh, the popcorn. The, the popcorn, they also have these like, there are like these paleo coconut puffs that like Ooh. I love, the kids love. That was a biggie. The kids love Asha Pops. Oh, I've seen those. The oh, kids these love are like Asha adult Pops. snacks. These are adult snacks that kids are also down with. And like when you go to the park, you got to bring, you know. Do you think it's because they're LA kids? Probably, yes. No, <laughs> those are very like, uh, you know, I'm probably going to get some eye rolls for those. But um, I think that there's a lot of great options now things that are like really clean, but don't taste that way. And that's kind of always been my goal. Like, I don't want to be that mom that's like, here's a rice cake and an apple. And that's it. You know, like, like I'm, I want it to be fun. And I want there to be an exploration with food and flavor and all yeah. of that. Does he help you with cooking? He loves to cook. That's yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do find that when they get in there, there is more, like, I feel like he eats more and is a little more adventurous and all of that because he has like, so many questions about it and and the process and stuff like that. Do you feel like social media has increased the amount of bad relationships that people have with food? Or do you feel like people actually have more access to food education now? That's so interesting. I think it's probably a mix. I mean, I do find I do find it is hard out there with people doing their like, this is what I eat in a day when you kind of like, no, that's not. Mm. I think that that can be confusing for people. And I think now with the, like all the Ozempic stuff, that can be really confusing for people. Wait, okay. What is Ozempic? I'm Oh, okay. Okay. So Ozempic is a drug that's out now that was approved for weight loss in people with diabetes. And it actually was also approved for people who have like comorbidities, complications, I should say, with being like obese or overweight. But a lot of like celebrities and L.A. and New York and like people are have been using it to lose a lot of weight. And you've probably like seen a lot of people that are notable people that all of a sudden have dropped a ton of weight really quickly. Yeah. And I think the thing that's really like I did a whole episode about it and it was really about this idea that like I have concerns because it's a very new drug and it basically like makes you produce more insulin and makes all those receptors more sensitive to that. So I think that if you're overdoing that day after day after day after day, you could kind of like mess with some of the processes. That's like a big concern of mine. There are also very new drugs that we don't know like the long-term effects of. And then at the same time, like I understand I have celebrity clients who get like dragged by the media by like, you know, pictures and all the things. And I know that there's so much pressure. And so everyone has to choose for themselves. But I do appreciate and I understand why people don't. But like when people are really open and honest about that, yeah. because if you're taking Ozempic and you've dropped like 60 pounds in a really short amount of time and my client has been doing it the slow and steady way, the results are going to look a lot different. But it makes you feel like crap if you don't know that someone is, you know, doing the other thing. It's the same thing with plastic surgery, which like no problem with it. Do what works for you. But it is always like super refreshing when people are really open about it. I think transparency is so important. I mean, we were just talking about 
the episode I did with Liver King. Yeah. His transparency with steroids. My husband, Greg, was mentioning how there are celebrities like Wolverine and all these men that we know are on steroids, but yeah. they don't talk about it. Yeah. But for some reason, they're celebrated, but Liver King is put down because he is open about it. I think interesting. it's interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, we hold people to these really high standards and then we get mad at them for being human. And I think a lot of people, and I know just like from personal experience with clients, like people feel like they're backed into a place where they have no, you know, it's like you tear down my body, then you tear me down for doing X, Y, and Z. Like I don't get like, let me live. Yeah. So I guess to answer your question, I do feel like I don't know. It's hard out there with the filters and the editing and all of that. There's no way that that. I mean, I can't imagine being a young girl right now. I always say that I Oof. cannot imagine growing up yeah. on social media. I would have a really hard time. Yeah. And at the same time, there are really positive voices and people who are, you know, just like, this is what works for me. And I think there is our trends going now where it's like, listen to your body. And this is how I've found intuitive eating. And this is how, and people like you who are like, listen, I've, I've run the whole gamut and like what works actually feels really good. And it's really like kind and compassionate to yourself. Yeah. So I think it's probably both. What do you think? I think it's both too. I think there's just more noise in general. Like, as you yeah. said, the unrealistic, what I eat in a day is, and then the Ozempic. And then there's people like us who talk about things like this. And in reality, I always say there's no shortcut yeah. to being healthy. I Whatever that drug is doesn't sound safe to me in any way, shape, or form. And I feel like in terms of longevity and being healthy into your 80s and 90s, yeah. that just requires hard work and yeah. eating whole foods and educating yourself. Like, that's scary to me. And honestly, I've been hearing about it even on photo shoot sets and things oh, like that. Yeah, so I sure. think it's really starting to get out there. But as you just said, I could not be a teenage girl in this uh, environment. I know. I feel really protective of them. Yeah, I know. I know. It's scary because it, it's got to be so hard. I mean, I remember how hard it was just like regular. And we didn't even have, I mean, I didn't have Instagram till, till I was a senior in college. Right, right, right. No, there was no, definitely no Instagram. There was, um, not to like totally age myself, but there was, I mean, I think that when I was a freshman in college, it was the first year of Facebook. Yeah, wow. Or like the first year that Facebook went outside Stanford or wherever. I was in high school and I remember, remember the albums? Yes, of course. And like <laughs> everyone's, ta like, I mean, yeah, it was such a thing. And I mean, it was so different then because there wasn't like the whole posing and editing and whatever. Like if you look at those pictures, we're all just like, like, like no one has angle. No one like knows that I still don't. But you know <laughs> what I mean? Like there was just so like you're not thinking about, oh, it's going to live on the Internet and like people are going to see it. You're just like, hey, I'm with my friends. Like, right. Geez. But I also feel like I didn't know anything about food back then. Right. And now when I'm maybe it's just my for you page, but on TikTok, I get served new healthy recipes every other video. Yeah. And, and the thing with that, which is really cool, I think that that's really cool. And I would have loved like when I was in college. If there was an air fryer, like I remember oh, yeah. I had a rice cooker in college that I like cooked. I was like, you guys, you can cook things other than rice. Like I used it kind of like a slow cooker. What? Yeah. But like an air, to me, an air fryer is like, by the way. Next level. Next level. <laughs> you can cook something out. You can cook up a veggie that, that like, I mean, I've been doing Brussels sprouts recently, but like I'll shave the, the leaves off the thing and they get crisped up like chips. I mean, it's delicious. Like as a little snack. You could like do like a chicken sausage. I mean, it's so easy. But the reality is like, I mean, for a college kid, that's amazing. And I do like I just saw there was this cute girl who was doing this like she was doing almost like a banana split. So she air fried a banana and then she put like peanut butter in it and some like imagine putting like who gems in there Ooh. and having like a coconut cream. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, I feel like you can get really innovative and it's not that hard and it's not expensive. And so that is really exciting. But I do think that there's a flip side to that, which is that like people get so overwhelmed with how many recipes that there are that they just don't even right. try. <laughs> right. I was microwaving hot dogs in yeah. college and eating them without buns. Yeah, of course. That was my regular diet. Yeah. So I would have loved an air fryer. Yeah, would have loved an air fryer. Probably would have put hot dogs in there still. <laughs> yeah, but of course. Anyway, I do a chicken sausage. It's like a, I mean, it's basically the same thing. What brand chicken sausage do you um, like? I think so. Okay, so there's Applegate Farms, yep. sweet Italian, which does, isn't sweet and doesn't have sugar, which I love. I hate. Can I just say that? 
hate when people put Me sweetener in sausage. Too gross. It doesn't it's belong not, in there. It's not right. Exactly. I don't want, I also don't want any sweetness ever in my vegetable. Like when people will put like a maple on a carrot or something. No. I'm like, say Or even salmon. Disgust. Oh no, I know with like the. Like, Honey? Yes. Okay. Ugh. I'm glad you agree yes. with me because is this an American thing? Yeah, they totally. They put sugar on everything. No, I know. It's gross. Like if you, you have to ask. And it's one of those things where it's like it doesn't belong in there. It's like save it for the dark chocolate. Save it for the thing that actually is Thank like you. meant to be sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Sweetener does not belong in sausage. No. We're done with that. We're done with also, that. Also Belinsky's is I was going to say Belinsky's and then there's another one called Bubby's, I think. Oh, Bubby's. Or is it Bubby's? Maybe that's the sauerkraut. That's sauerkraut. sauerkraut. I have that there's too. There's one. Oh, Seymour. Ooh. Seymour. Okay. I gotta yeah, check yeah, yeah. that out. Yeah, Seymour. I'm like big into sausages. Me too. So. <laughs> because it literally like you could, for me, it's like you air fry a sausage. You could have that with like breakfast. You can also like cut that up, put it in like cauliflower rice with like pesto and you have like a bowl. Oh. You could all, I also will take like romaine spears and I'll like do it and I'll kind of like do it extra high and I'll put like kraut and mustard and like make it kind of like a. I'm coming to your house. Yeah. Oh my God, you should. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Okay. You're very into the same food as me. I can yes, tell. Yes. And it's like, it's so easy. Now, yes. to end the episode, yes. I want to do a fan Q&A. Okay, great. The fans had a lot of questions for you. And I honestly, that. I want to know the answers to this. Okay, wonderful. Everyone's going to laugh when I say this because I have a strong opinion about this one. Okay, great. Thoughts on seed oils. Okay, yeah. No, so, okay. 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 <laughs> so off, they off. can be inflammatory. Like it is true. They can be inflammatory for sure. Fact. Like there's research, all the things. And then at the same time, I do think you have to kind of pick your battles with some of the things. Yeah. Like I'm not, it's the same thing. I just did an episode where I was like talking about like hormone disruptors and all these chemicals and stuff. And like, if you want to go into a bubble, like you might get like afraid of receipts, which have like gross chemicals on them and whatever. I'm terrified of receipts. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, there's, st but like, that's the thing. So it's like, yes, I avoid seed oils. I don't, I like wouldn't choose to have them in my stuff. And then at the same time, like if you're out and about at a restaurant, you're probably most likely encountering them. And as long as it's not like your main thing and you're like picking and choosing wisely, then I think, you know. What's we'll, the we'll worst okay. one? Oh. Canola. Tell me it's canola. Yeah, it's canola. We don't need canola oil. Like, it's just a cheap oil. I'm triggered by canola oil. Yeah, it's gross. Like, it, it is gross. And, like, I can't imagine how, dis like, if you just, like, took a little, like, lick, it would probably just taste like something that almost. Have you seen it get made? No. It looks like tar. Does it? Yeah. Look up God, that's canola disgusting. oil process. It's vile. No, canola oil is really gross. And. A lot of these things are just like cheap things to make. So they become this thing. And it's a business. It's a business. What oils do you recommend people use? I love olive oil. I like cook all my stuff in olive oil. A lot of people will be like, oh my God, the smoke point, all of that. Totally. Avocado oil is amazing. I don't really cook a bunch with coconut oil, but like I, I would bake with coconut oil. Yeah, totally. A great one. Great one. So it's like, you ghee? know, love ghee. Ghee's fantastic. Big fan of ghee. Is it dairy? Is no, dairy so it's there? been processed so that the dairy has been processed out of it. So it starts off as a dairy product, but that ends up being totally like well received by people with dairy allergies. It tastes like, just like butter. Oh, it's I honestly think it's nicer. I do too. It's really yeah, I good. love like to me in the morning when I make like Oliver's like French toast or pancakes or whatever, I'm doing that in ghee. Ah, uh, such a good tip for yeah. kids. Actually, I feel like ghee would be great. Yeah. Not that I have kids, but, yeah, but one day. One day. I'm collecting all the tips. Yeah. Best foods for fertility. Oh, you know, it's so interesting. There's so much, there's so much out there. My tip for fertility would be to do your best to control blood sugar, which means like not having huge surges in blood sugar and then huge surges in insulin because then that affects all your other hormones. Okay. So I think that, you know, focusing on like protein and fat and fiber with meals. And it doesn't mean you can't have like the carbs and stuff like that. But I do think that doing your best to like have a steady blood sugar balance is really helpful. Do you ever recommend people wear those glucose monitors? You know, it's a really good question. What I have found with the glucose monitors is that they can be really helpful in a very acute short term way to show people like 
what a huge carb meal can do. And it kind of like really visualize that. But I do feel, and I almost feel like you and I talked about this a little bit, where I think people get a little obsessive with the numbers. 100%. And then it becomes this thing where they're like hyper-focusing on it and it can be too much. Mm. But I do think that if you're someone who's like, I don't, I wouldn't know how to control blood sugar and I don't know what my blood sugar would look like, it definitely could be a really interesting experiment. But I don't think long-term it's the way to go. Thoughts on eating dessert every night? I guess it kind of depends like how much. Like to me, like a couple of squares of dark chocolate every day or like building that into your day, something like that that's like sensible. It feels totally doable. And in fact, I actually like really recommend it because then you don't feel the need to like go super overboard. And it's funny because like when we talk about I'm so like, if you really want the thing, put it on a plate, enjoy it. And then at the same time, if your goals are really important to you, you of course can't like do that. It can't be worth it to you every day. Yeah. So I think it kind of depends what the dessert is, but there's plenty of like really low sugar, like sensible things like that, like a, like chocolate and peanut butter and stuff like that, that like is dessert to me. And I think is not just healthy, but like actually helps the process. 100%. Yeah. I have four squares of hue yes. hazelnut butter chocolate every night. I love that. In my bed. Oh, I know, but that's okay. But so like, you know when how you, you brush said your teeth? after. Oh, but I get out of the bed. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. But you know how you said like put things on a plate. Yes. For me, bringing it to my bed—that's your decadent thing. Yeah. You know what? That's my moment. But see, I think that like we have to do what works for us. So like, I think it is good. I think especially if you were having like something super snackable, like um, mm-hmm. a thing that could be in a big package or something like that. But if you have your four squares or like pre-portioned out and you're like bringing it into bed and you're enjoying it and it's a little quirky of you my, and I like that about you. My husband is <laughs> disgusted. I woke up the other day with chocolate melted oh into my, my God. chest. By the way, I love you for saying that. <laughs> I love you for saying that. I feel like the people are going to be like, I knew I loved her. Greg was disgusted. He's like, honey? Yeah, he was like, what's going on? <laughs> Even Fee is like a little grossed out by me at this point. I think I love you for saying that. Thanks. I think that's wonderful. Thanks. Yeah. I'm a huge chocolate stan. You're um, you're not just one thing. You're many things. Yeah, I'm yeah. a Gemini. Yeah, yes. <laughs> okay, food tips for ADHD. The reality is that blood sugar affects hormones, which affects everything else, like all these cascading processes in the body. So there's not like one thing that you're going to like be able to have specifically for focus. But I do think getting out of a place where you're like driving up blood sugar, driving up insulin, then having these crashes with cortisol can be kind of like chaotic and make you feel like, oh, I'm going to like stop what I'm doing and go snack and stuff like that. So I think the more balanced you can be with protein and fat and fiber at meals, especially like high carbohydrate meals is going to be helpful. I would say even if you're listening and you have a mood disorder, yes. I mean, I have BPD and when it was really bad, I kind of went keto for a little bit and it was really helpful. I could totally see that because sugar triggers the same pleasure center in the brain as drugs and alcohol. So it can kind of be this addictive thing that then it's like it's you're not getting the same dopamine hit, like you're searching, searching, searching. So I do think getting out of that place where like you're you can decrease your sweetness threshold And it just, you're not so like looking for that next hit. Lastly. Yes. Do you think it's possible to have a good relationship with food while tracking macros? Yeah, I think that tracking macros is something that is helpful in the, like, I think it is more helpful in the short term to visualize what a serving of rice looks like, what a serving of sweet potato looks like, what a serving of X looks like, so that you can then just visualize it and you're not having to think about it all the time. I do think when you're counting macros all the time and you're thinking about food all the time, it can be obsessive. But I do think it's helpful to like know what servings are and so that you're like out and about and you can kind of visualize. That's pretty much how I used it as well. I used it to learn what a fat was, what a carb was, I didn't even know like how many calories were in anything. Right. I had no understanding of it. So I do think it's a good tool. Yes. But if you notice the obsession coming in, maybe it's time to let go of the fitness pal. Exactly. And that's the thing about being really honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. And like for some people, and you know, I think sometimes with dudes who like it's not that complicated and they're like, whatever, I'm just, you know, like it's not that complicated. And they're just like 
you know, calories in, calories out. I mean, I don't love that mentality, you know, and I have, and I have guy clients too, and I have plenty of guy clients who have not felt that way. But I do feel like sometimes, you know, if it's not going to get obsessive and that's just like what you do and it feels good, sure. But I feel like, especially for most women, that's not going to work out long term because it's just so hard not to get obsessive and it doesn't feel good. And you wind up thinking about food all the time. Agreed. I've been there and it's not fun. Yeah. So there's a time and a place for everything. I agree. Now it's time for the question we ask every guest. I started this podcast because I believe everyone's pursuit of wellness looks different. What does wellness mean to you? I think wellness to me means like feeling good in all aspects, not just, I think there's a trend now for like saying no for to things that don't work for you and to like stop people pleasing and to like be really thoughtful about the way you want to move through your day and the way you want to interact with people. And it's so beyond just like the food you're eating. And I think with with the food, it's being really honest with yourself about like where, what season you're in. Because I think there, the reality is sometimes you're like super dialed in and you're really like feeling it. And then there are other seasons where you're just kind of like, listen, I'm I'm happy being a, like a little above what would normally feel good to me. And I'm just going to honor this, whether it's you just had a baby or a breakup or it's the holidays or something like that. Having the confidence, like we were saying earlier, to like know that you can get back to where you want to be, but it doesn't have to be so black and white. And I think with fitness, especially for me, it's like coming at it from a place of joy and like moving my body in a way that it's not like, because I do come from that like athlete world where it's just like grinding into the ground of just like the things that feel like a celebration of like movement. I think that's what it means to me. Amazing answer. I loved all of that. Thank you. Where can people find you online and listen to your show? So the show is Good Instincts. It's wherever you get your podcasts. It's a Dear Media production. And I am Shira underscore RD. Thank you, Shira. This was amazing. Thank you so much. This was really fun. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Go comment on my last Instagram at Mari Llewellyn with the guest you want to see next. I'll be picking one person from the comments to send our bloom greens to. Make sure you hit follow so you never miss my weekly episodes. If you enjoyed the conversation, be sure to share and leave a review. See you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.